Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are going to be reviewing Hustlers, the new movie that is in theaters with Constance Wu and also Jennifer Lopez. Those are kind of the two leads of the movie. So this is episode number 21. If you've been listening, thanks so much for listening to the Silver Screen Podcast. And uh, today I'm excited to talk about this particular movie. It's getting a lot of good buzz critically. Audiences are liking it a decent amount. So I'm excited to dive deeper into that coming up in just a few minutes. But first, we have some news items that we want to talk about. Every time at the beginning of the show, we just hit on a few quick things that are going on either with movies or TV or entertainment in general. So first off, Katie, you discovered that the Joker won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival, which that's like the audience award, correct? Yes. One of the big and then ones. I, it's the, I think it's the biggest one that you can get of the night. It's like at Cannes when they get the Palm d'Or. Okay. One. Okay. Yeah. So lots um, of buzz but, for Joker. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then they talked about, there was the speech that Joaquin gave where he credited his late brother, River Phoenix, saying that he's the whole reason that he got back into acting and stuck with acting because his brother said he was destined to be an actor. So he gave a really heartfelt speech. It just sounded very... Um, not like the picture I normally get of Joaquin Phoenix. It was really sweet. And then he also, he said something about, you know, he's dating Rooney Mara. Did you know this? I did not know that. Yeah. So creeping me out <laughs> a like lot a little, at the beginning. A weirded out by that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's okay. It just, she was with um, Charlie McDowell for a long time. Okay. Who is, who's the son of Mary Steenburgen and Charlie, nope. Malcolm McDowell, who's in okay. Clockwork Orange, one yes. of my least favorite movies of all time. And he, um, anyway, they were together a long time. So I was just taken aback because one day in the news, I saw that Joaquin was hanging out with Rooney Mara. And I thought, aren't they 30 years apart? But they're not. And <laughs> and it's fine. They can do whatever they want. It just weirded me out at first. I don't know. Maybe to you, they make sense. But they didn't to me originally. But I'm going to have to find this quote of what he said, because when he won the Golden Lion, he just said something kind of uh, just strange okay. um, to about Rooney Mara in his speech. Sounds good. Well, um, you let me see if I can up. find it. I will. Yeah. Uh, so just give some context. The Golden Lion is the biggest award that you can win at Venice Film Festival. And if you're curious, what has won the Golden Lion the past couple of years? So 2018, Roma won it. Uh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, which is on Netflix. Obviously a big Oscar contender there and uh, did not win Best Picture, but did have a lot of awards at the Oscars and was nominated for a lot of awards at the Oscars. And then the 2017 winner was The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. So and that movie did win Best Picture at the Oscars. So this is a pretty yes. big um, award that is given out by the Venice Film Festival. And it's interesting that it went to Joker this year, which I know has been getting good reviews, but I did not think was like the quality of an Oscar level movie. You know what I mean? The fact that it won that is a, is a huge deal. So that's definitely setting it up for a lot of hype when it comes out here in just a couple weeks. Definitely. And I just want to let you know, <laughs> I looked, I'm still trying to find the <laughs> okay, quote that he said, but, but it is rumored that they are also engaged. Oh, okay. And just to let you know the age difference, I did find it. I think he is 40 four and she's like 34 so it's so 10 I mean, years it's not okay um i'll double check that i need to fact check some things but just letting you know good to know <laughs> this good is to a know. hot this is a hot tip this is the <laughs> this is the brand new gossip on the scene so let me just so we'll see really if uh, we'll see if Katie finds that here in just a second. So while you're looking <laughs> that up, we'll move on to the next thing. But um, I know you and I both recently. I think this was before 
Uh, the trailer for this was before It Chapter 2 or one of the recent movies that we saw, but the trailer just kind of came out in the last couple of weeks, and that is for the movie Harriet, which is going to be coming out later this year. And uh, it looks pretty interesting. It's obviously about Harriet Tubman, and I'm interested to kind of check this out. It's in theaters November 1st, so that's when it will be releasing. And I think this this looks pretty good. It looks kind of maybe kind of Oscar Beatty. It's got Cynthia or Cynthia Ervo, uh, Joe Allen, and Janelle Monet and Leslie Odom Jr. Kind of like the big four in this movie. I thought the trailer was good, but I think it could be going for like a little little Oscar bait. That's what I thought too. Um, it did look really good though. This was the first time I'd seen the trailer, and. I do think this is the kind of movie that critics and the Oscar, like the board usually really likes. So I I think it's a contender for sure. And I found the quote whenever you're ready. Okay, sounds good. Go ahead and give me the quote. So just to confirm ages here, Rooney Mara is 34 and Joaquin Phoenix is 44. So I was right on that one. The quote he said, this just gets, just prepare to be weird. Um, He says, and this is during his speech when he won for Joker at the Venice Film Festival. He says, Somewhere here, I don't know where, is a filthy dragon, and I want to rip its wings off and fasten a blanket and sleep with it forever. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I really, ho- <laughs> I really hope <laughs> if people are listening to this while they're driving in their car, that hearing me read that really creeped them out because it creeped me out. And also, I get what he's saying, dragon, because she's a girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. And I love that he loves her. That's sweet, guys. Like, do what you got to do. Great. But. It's uh, I think it's an odd thing to say and an odd way to say it in an acceptance speech. It is kind of weird. I've always thought that Joaquin has been kind of a he's a great actor. There's no denying that. I mean, he's a fantastic oh, for actor. Sure. But for I thought sure. I think it just as a person like seeing him on talk shows and things. And there's obviously like that infamous uh, David Letterman interview that he did a couple years ago. He's just kind of a, like an odd dude, like outside of acting. <laughs> I don't know if you feel yes. the same way, but he's just kind of, he's a great actor, but like his, his personal life and him like on the street is just kind of, he just seems kind of odd, but oh, super weird. And I actually <laughs> think the same thing about Rooney Mara. And yeah, so in a way, that's I why think they work. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just want to let you know too, the quote, I'd read it in a couple different articles, but the one I just read it from is from InStyle magazine, but it's InStyle.com. Literally the, uh, the uh, title at the top says, um, did Joaquin Phoenix just refer to rumored fiance Rooney Mara as a filthy dream? dragon <laughs> uh, well, so there's there the quote yep. i would uh, i would be it. be interested to see if he gets you know nominated for an oscar if he wins like the golden globe or whatever what his speech will be i'm oh. sure it will be very interesting <laughs> p.s i don't want to make a correction next week so i have to correct it now he okay. didn't say that at the venice film festival he said it at the toronto international film festival okay. or tiff so it tiff short. just so the- you know the big wigs call it. So that's all the gossip I have for you today. I just really wanted to share with everyone how creepy that was. Good to know. So that's your Joaquin Phoenix news. We'll talk <laughs> about him more in a couple weeks when Joker is going to be released, which is very soon. So a little box office news real quick. Uh, it Chapter 2, our last episode, was number one at the box office again this weekend for the second weekend in a row. But Hustlers did really well at the box office, made $33 million. So it exceeded its expectations. It's also the largest opening for an XTS or XT. Uh, yeah, X Films production ever. So that's that's good news for that film company. They haven't had a ton. I mean, they've had like some moderate hits, but they haven't had like a huge hit. But it seems like Hustlers might be the film that that does that for them. 
Yeah, it was I I read that and I I wasn't surprised. I saw some of the other films. I think they did like Monster in Law, which was with Jane Fonda and also a J-Lo. They've done a couple movies like that that are kind of lighthearted and geared more towards a female audience. So I wasn't surprised to see that this is the best the best one. Honestly, I'm just thrilled this film is doing so well. Yeah, they did some recent ones with um, like they did I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. They did Second Act, which had J-Lo in it. They did that Ugly Dolls movie that came out earlier this year. So like you said, some movies that aren't like super huge budget wise, but maybe are appealing more to like, like you said, women audiences or like kids, something like that. So good to see that they have like a hit on their hands with this one. So that's good. Definitely. And then um, our next episode is, is we've decided we're going to review The Goldfinch because, wow, is it is it bombing hard? <laughs> I know this took us this took us a while to really decide if we were going to do it, but it's done so terribly. And we recently reviewed Peanut Butter Falcon, which I think Jared and I agreed is our favorite film we've seen so far this year. And it has made as an independent film almost the same amount. Well, definitely more than half uh, as as Goldfinch has so far. Yeah, Peanut Butter Falcon so, made $12.4 million so far total yeah. for its whole on a $6.2 million budget. Goldfinch made $2.6 million opening weekend on a uh, $45 million budget. So it's Terrible. not good. I not feel good for so Goldfinch. bad for them. Well, I told Jared someone's getting fired for sure. Oh, definitely. Somebody at the film company is definitely getting fired. Um, and I'm sure like <laughs> Nicole Kidman is not happy. I feel bad for Ansel Elgort, too. We'll probably talk about that more on next week's episode. But the dude, I think, is a good actor. But he's just, again, it's like the same problem we talked about um, with whatever movie we were talking about recently. I forget what that was. Oh, um, Baby Peanut Butter. No, Peanut Butter Falcon. We were talking about how just Shia LaBeouf and Dakota Johnson oh. haven't gotten like great roles. And I feel like Ansel Elgort right. kind of runs into that same problem, too, where it seems like it's going to be a really promising movie. And then it just kind of bombs at the box office. Baby Driver probably being the exception. But like everything else he's been in, it just seems like he hasn't. He's a good actor. He should just get more notoriety, I think. He oh, just... see, I'm very I'm very on the fence about Ansel. Okay. So we'll see. Okay. But I'm mainly just really angry that they're remaking West Side Story. So I think I think I just need to get over that or I'm never going to get over it. And unfortunately, he is attached to that. Yes, he is. So yeah, that is uh, that is going to be next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast is the Goldfish. So get <laughs> yes. ready for that. And then one other final piece of news that was announced today. If you're a big Seinfeld fan, Seinfeld coming to Netflix in 2021. So right now it's on Hulu, but it will be moving over to Netflix, not next year, but the year after 2021. You'll be able to watch all of Seinfeld on Netflix, which is kind of a big get for Netflix because they just lost Friends and The Office. Those are both going away at the beginning of next year. So they needed something else, like a show that had a big fan base attached to it that was already established that people will watch. And now they have Seinfeld starting in 2021. I think that'll be really good for them. I think it was a calculated move that they removed Friends and then added Seinfeld since those were always kind of conflicting shows. Yeah, I've always, I've been always been a bigger Friends fan than Seinfeld personally. Me it's just me. I just have never really connected to Seinfeld, but I know there's a lot of people out there who love Seinfeld and they love watching it. So that'll be good that it's on Netflix, but I'm always going to be t- team friends. That's just me personally. So, um, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but good for Netflix for getting another kind of 90s comedy or a comedy that has a lot of established fans of the show. So that way they have somewhere to watch that. So And like we said before we started recording, if you're a really big fan of the show, you can just buy the seasons on DVD or Blu-ray, and then you like always have them. You don't have to worry about it leaving a streaming service. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I have all the seasons of Friends. 
There you go. That's a lot of episodes of Friends that are hanging out. <laughs> it is. I've watched them many times. <laughs> so with that, that's all of our news items. We have no corrections this week, which great for us. I think it's our first week we haven't had to do a correction. So we're really, really crushing it this week. So now we will start talking about Hustlers, which was released on September 13th of 2019. It's rated R. Wow, what a shocker. Movie about strippers is rated R for uh, pervasive sexual material, drug content, language, and nudity. It is an hour and 50 minutes long. RimeDB and Rotten Tomatoes scores on IMDb. It's a 6.6 out of 10, so kind of slightly above average. A Rotten Tomatoes, critics really like it. It's at an 87%. Audience likes it, but not as much as critics. 68% audience rating. So audience a little more down on it than the critics are. And then at the box office, it's made $33 million, as we mentioned, and its budget was $20 million. So it's already made its budget back. It's a big success for the studio. It's probably going to do well second weekend, too, just because of word of mouth and the fact that it's good and it has good performances and it's an interesting story. So we'll talk about that more as we go on. But it should continue to do fairly well at the box office, even with some stuff coming out. I still could see this finishing like fourth or third at the box office um, for a couple of weeks. So it should make a nice amount of money, which is good because it's always good to support movies that have original stories which is what we say a lot here on this show and this is basically an original story i mean it was a true story it was based on the article the hustlers at scores which was written by jessica pressler and she is in the movie she's played by an actress in the movie of new york magazine and basically the article was about a crew of savvy former strip club employees that band together to turn the tables on their rich wall street clients so that's the synopsis of it which i thought it's interesting you see a lot of times that movies are made off of books or movies are made off of you know something like that but it's rare to see a movie based off of a, a magazine zine article but that's what the case was for this one yeah i don't really remember this article coming out i kind of do but i didn't i hadn't read it or anything but this definitely had to be a big deal if they they made this into a film and i think it was well researched and everything and i did not cover it for this episode of the podcast but there are some really good articles online saying what's factual about this movie and what's not the main thing really just being that they did change the most of the women their names okay and then a lot uh, – some of the storylines were much less sympathetic in real life. Uh, the okay. movie was a little bit more kind to the – supporting the relationships between the women. Okay. Good to know. I can understand the yeah. changing the names thing if they don't want their their real names to be out well, there Well, I think their whatever. names are out because it's in the article and everything. Okay. And then they have like – there was one article that had side-by-side pictures. So it would be like the character that J-Lo played and then it With had the, the real woman life woman. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So Weird I that think they, they decided to change maybe, the names. <laughs> Right, for just for the film, but but that's what okay. they did. Interesting. So yes. that's what the movie is about. And again, it's based on that magazine article from New York Magazine. So obviously a lot of critics have seen this. Critics are pretty high on it on Rotten Tomatoes, 87%. So as always, we just picked a couple of random critics' reviews to kind of read off a couple of lines of their reviews and share with you kind of what they thought. So first up, we have Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times. And he says, Lopez is getting Oscar buzz for her fierce and foul-mouthed and screen-commanding work here. And indeed, it's her strongest performance and the best role she's been giving since Out of Sight and some two decades ago. But Constance Wu is the true lead in this film. I agree with that. A hundred percent. I think Jennifer Lopez is great in this movie and it definitely is her best acting work in, in quite some time. 
I've read so many reviews, too, that are saying this is J-Lo's best performance. They're like, hands down, no question. This is the best role she's been given. It's the best she's ever done. And then Constance Wu, I'm not surprised by how good she is because I was really impressed with her in Crazy Rich Asians. And then she also is, I've heard about her for years from Fresh Off the Boat. She's a really good comedic presence. But this was nice that she got to demonstrate more of a dramatic side to her acting. So next up, we have A.O. Scott of the New York Times, and he was a little down on the movie, but he said the movie is a little too semi-sweet in his view. He said the spirit of Hustlers is so insistently affirmative and celebratory that all kinds of interesting matters are left unexplored. I swear sometimes these critics just try to find the biggest words they can use to talk about what they feel about the movie. Right. Every time I read these, I'm like, let's test out my vocabulary today. So that's what A.O. Scott had to say about the movie, which I guess is a a little true that there is some things we'll get into in our likes and dislikes. There are some storylines I think that are left kind of unresolved, and I think that's kind of his big his big issue here with his review. Yeah, I can I can see what he's saying. I'll go more into it because I do agree with you about some of the storylines, but I think he's kind of just being a downer. <laughs> Next up, uh, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. He said, if you want to know what a star's entrance is, watch Lopez take the screen as if but by divine right. Which is- I mean, this was right on the money. That yes. first scene with her, my jaw dropped. I didn't even know where I was or who I was. <laughs> I was stunned. I didn't know if I should look away. I didn't know if like... I know. I thought I should call my mom and be like, don't come see this film. You can't do it. I, I'm not sure. But man, she is. She is something. There was a a couple eating popcorn behind me very loudly during all of the previews (laughs) and the beginning part of this movie. But the scene when J-Lo came on suddenly got very quiet. So they were mesmerized as well. (laughs) I think as was everybody in the audience when that when that happened in the movie. So they had stopped eating their popcorn for a few minutes to watch J-Lo. So that is some critics reviews. Again, critics pretty high on it overall, but some of them have a little more negative things to say. And then the audience is also down on it as well, which is kind of interesting. So before we get into cast, just wanted to let you know who it's directed by, which is Lauren Scafaria. So she's written a few movies. So Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, and The Meddler. But this is the first thing that she's directed. And I thought she did a pretty good job first time out directing a movie. This is a really solid directed movie. There's nothing really in it that makes you say, that was a weird choice or you know why is that shot like that or anything like that so it's very competently directed I thought right and I do think she had some help too from I thought she did a wonderful job I think she probably had help from producers as well and I noticed that one of the producers was Adam McKay and also Will Ferrell but Adam McKay I wanted to focus on because I know you and I both like his style of directing he's also done the big short and then he did Vice uh, last year that was about Dick Cheney so I could definitely um, I did not know that going in but when the credits were rolling and I saw he was a producer I thought that makes perfect sense because this film seemed a lot like an Adam McKay film to me it did do you watch um, have you watched any of Succession on HBO um, no, but I hear it's. I know that Brian Cox is in it. Um, I think a Culkin, Macaulay Culkin's yeah, brother. Yeah, so in Macaulay it. Culkin's brothers in it. I just watched. I just finished the second episode before we started recording. But Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are executive producers of that too. So, oh, is it good? Do you it like is it? good. I like it so far. And Adam McKay directed the first episode, so I thought I think it's pretty good so far. I've heard it even picks up like more as you get further into it and second season and everything. But I think, like oh, you wow. said, he just attaches himself to kind of interesting projects behind the scenes 
lines, things that he think would be good. So he's always focused on like good kind of true life stories, basically, which Succession is not based on a real family um, in that show. But I think, like you said, with the Big Short and Vice and this, they're all based on true stories, things that actually happen. So I think he's just drawn to that for, for some reason. Yeah, I might have to give that show a try. I've got my HBO subscription right now, so I might watch that now. Yeah, check it out. It's good. It's got a really good cast. Like I said, I'm only two episodes in right now, but it's been, I mean, everybody's been like talking about it in the entertainment world. So I decided let's try it out and I like it so far. So I'll let you know as we as we go along. So <laughs> now it is time to get into the cast. Obviously, lots of great ladies in this movie. So Katie, uh, go ahead and take it away with the cast. Uh, Jared, I'm going to need you to just go ahead and hit that crush alert button for the entire cast. I mean, it doesn't get much better than these women. Um, And also half, I feel like a lot of these women, this is like their banner year or like their introduction to the world, but they're taking over. Um, So first we have Constance Wu. She plays Destiny, uh, formerly known as Dorothy, but she is, I already mentioned, known for Crazy Rich Asians and also the TV show Fresh Off the Boat. She's going to be in an upcoming film in 2020 called Low Budget Ethnic Film. Uh, (laughs) That one sounds interesting to me. kind of interesting, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I wanted to ask you, I wasn't sure what you thought. Do you think this is something that could garner some Oscar buzz for her, Jared? It could be a possibility, I think, especially at this point in the year. I think it's one of the stronger female performances that we've seen. Um, just looking at this article right now from IndieWire about like best actress predictions, they have as their front runners Aquafina for The Farewell, uh, Cynthia Ervo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, and Renee Zellweger for that Judy Garland movie. So those are their front runners right now. So they don't have her on the list, but I think she definitely could get some like Golden Globe nomination or like you said, an Oscar nomination for this because I thought she did do a really good job in this movie as as the lead character. I did too. And how interesting too that Aquafina, I have not seen her in a serious role, but she was in Crazy Rich Asians with Constance Wu. And I think that that movie really made a lot of careers for people. I think it did too. And so. she's in The Farewell that came out this year, which I have not seen because it's been like very limited release. But that's right. more of a serious role, I guess. But apparently she's great in that. So we'll try to check cool. that out before the Oscar season because it'll probably be on DVD by then. But that's getting a lot of, a lot of good buzz came out earlier this year. And she's still getting Oscar Oscar buzz for that. Definitely. And I, so the next, next up, I think we all know Jennifer Lopez. Um, I don't think she needs much of an introduction. (laughs) She plays Ramona in this film. Um, Yes, but I think everybody knows her both for her acting career and her music career because she's done pretty well at both. But the movies she's known for, this doesn't mean they're necessarily good. I just want to say that are The Wedding Planner, Made in Manhattan, Shall We Dance, Gigli, that's the one I'm talking about, Selena, (laughs) (laughs) Anaconda, and enough. And then a movie called Marry Me is currently in post-production, but it doesn't have a release date posted yet on IMDb. So I'm not sure when that's going to be released. Um, but she's done really well. That wasn't even all of her films. But I did try to pick the ones that I'm quite fond of and a lot of my friends are as well. So way to go, Jennifer. She's got quite a repertoire. Next up, we have Lily Reinhardt who plays Annabelle in this film. She currently stars as Betty Cooper on the extremely popular Netflix series, Riverdale. And she has an upcoming movie that's set to release in 2020 called Chemical Hearts. So I didn't see much um, on the horizon for her, but she's doing so well. I have no doubt that uh, she's going to be in more things. And I actually really liked her character in this film. Yeah, my uh, girlfriend is a big Riverdale fan. So she knew as soon as she came on screen who she was. I was like, who is that? And she's like, oh, she's in Riverdale. I was like, I don't watch that. (laughs) I was so excited. I love Constance and I love Jennifer Lopez, but I was pumped that she was in it. 
And then next up, we have Kiki Palmer. I really like Kiki Palmer. I had not seen her in other things, but I knew of her, so I recognized her instantly. She plays Mercedes in this film. She was in the CW show Scream Queens and also had a small part in the new version of 90210. And then she was in several other movies, Pimp, which I don't know if I'm going to watch that one, and then also Grease Live that they had that came out this year. But she didn't have any upcoming projects listed on IMDb. Okay. And then we also have Julia Stiles. Uh, I do think people know her, but I think she hasn't been in anything for a little while, so it was nice to see her again. She played Elizabeth, who was the reporter that wrote the actual article and did all the research. She's best known, I think there were a couple things. So she's known for a recurring role in the Born Identity series with Matt Damon. And then she was also in the movie The Omen and Silver Linings Playbook. But the movies I think that endeared her to any woman that's within five or ten years of my age would be 10 Things I Hate About You and Save the Last Dance. So those were like the two that I think just made her career and everybody loved her. And then she's in a movie called The God Committee that's in post-production now, but it doesn't have a release date. But I would imagine 2020. Probably. And then... The last two I just wanted to mention, because these women are taking over the world, uh, would be Lizzo, who plays a character called Liz. She is, of course, a singer, and she is also a trained flautist, and she's taking over the world. That's really all I have to say about that. I know that she recently got snubbed. Uh, was it the American Music Awards or the VMAs, Jared? Do you recall? Uh, it was the VMAs for Best New Artist. She lost to yes. Billie Eilish, I believe, so she did not pick that up, unfortunately. But um, I want to say, yeah. too, good, good job by the producer and like the casting people of Hustlers because they filmed this between March and May of earlier this year. But at that point, yeah. I mean, Lizzo was on the scene, but she really exploded like June, July, August. So the fact that they kind of like knew that that maybe was going to happen and put her in this movie, I thought was very smart because I think she's definitely one of the reasons people are going to see this, even though she has a kind of minor part in it. They do feature her in the trailer and she's in a couple of scenes and I think she really adds, you know, to the movie. So great casting on their point by getting, by oh getting Lizzo. Gosh. I completely agree. I I adore Lizzo. I don't I I don't even know what else to say about that. And speaking of people I also enjoy, Cardi B is the last person that definitely bears mentioning. She plays a character called Diamond. She again has a small part. I do think she had actual more more um speaking lines than Lizzo did, but she in real life I know has had stripping as a career for a while. Um but she plays a former stripper or a stripper in the film as well. But she's most known these days for being a professional rapper and musical artist and is doing super well. Um, but I want to mark, uh, I want to point out her Instagram and Twitter. If you want to laugh ever, she has hilarious political commentary um, and just about the way America is right now. So if you're ever down and just need to pick me up, I would watch Cardi B, but be aware there is going to be swearing. And then um, <laughs> just to give, she doesn't have a career in acting, at least not at this point, but she's already won a Grammy, seven Billboard Music Awards, and three American Music Awards, and I have no doubt that she's just going to keep winning things. So definitely I'm an all-star cast of females. Yes, I really liked Cardi B in this movie because I feel like the couple scenes that she's in, they were just like, um, just do Cardi B things. Like That's just what we want you right. to do. So right. just yell out random stuff or say random lines or anything like that. But I thought that I was laughing every time she popped up, she would say a line or she'd have a little, you know, paragraph of dialogue or whatever. And I and it made me laugh. So she was doing her job. I thought she was very, very funny in this movie. <laughs> 
I did too. I love her. So we'll get into our likes and dislikes now for this film. Um, there's definitely going to be a, a few in each category, but probably more likes than dislikes for this movie in particular. So first off, one of the things that you liked and I did too is just like the colors and the vibe of this film is just really like really cool. Like obviously it's about strip clubs and strippers, so it's going to have that kind of you know nightclub vibe to it. But I thought the way that they pulled that off was was pretty well done. I did too. And you know how some movies, I think you go to some movies and they don't know what they're about. And I think this was one that was definitely not like that. I feel like this film knew, you know, they weren't like, oh, they're shame because this is a movie about stripping. They were proud of it, gung-ho about it. Everything was sparkly, pink, uh, neon lights, money, sexy. Like that's, but they knew what they were about and they stayed true to it. I don't feel like there was any confusion in this film about the direction it was heading. So I really think that that's a really job well done to Lorene, the director, and then also the production team. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there. I think they never looked down on the strippers themselves, like as a career. Obviously, they looked down on like the strip club and owners and management and how that whole system works and how they take a lot of the strippers' money. Then they also later in the movie looked down on Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez and their kind of whole team because they're doing something that's technically illegal, but they never disown, you know, stripping as a career, basically. They never say that that's a bad thing, but they do say in the movie that, hey, strip clubs aren't maybe, you know, management is not the best thing at a strip club or what these women did was not technically all that great. But I think, like you said, it really, um, for the overall vibe of the movie, I thought it was good. Yeah, and this is definitely a film about female empowerment. This is not a film about belittling women or their career choices. And these women were very, very supportive of one another. And I didn't feel like at any point in the film that that was disingenuous. I felt like the acting was stellar. um, But I also felt like these women really cared about each other. I didn't feel like it just had to be written that way. I felt like that probably was the case. Did you feel like Jennifer Lopez was kind of the mom of the strip club? That's the vibe that I got is that she kind of she was the older one and she kind of looked over all the other girls and made sure that she supported them. Um, Like there's one part where a girl is crying and she comforts her. And then there's other scenes that just happen that kind of and she takes obviously um, Constance Wu's character Destiny under her wing, too, and kind of builds her up and tries to get her, you know, to make more money and things like that. So she's definitely kind of has a motherly role at this particular club that they they dance at. Yes, I definitely got that feeling. And she was just kind of the leader of the pack, like the the alpha of the female tribe. Yes. So another thing that this movie did pretty well is they tackled some serious and like difficult subject matter, like the fact that sometimes strippers don't have a lot of money and the fact that sometimes, um, especially later in the film, they tackle like the illegal aspects of the things that they were doing and kind of how they were drugging these big Wall Street uh, clientele and personnel um, and basically taking their credit cards and then basically just having them sign when they were like half drugged and they still got the money and they didn't you know know about it till the next day or a couple days later so all that stuff and it had uh, i thought it did a nice job of kind of handling the divide between we want it to be fun and we want it to be colorful and you know exciting like you said but also we have to tackle some of these serious issues at times i thought it did a good job balancing both of those Oh, I definitely do, too. And I think they did a good job of explaining some of the horrible stuff that goes along with these professions. It's not wrong that the women are doing them, but the way they're treated by the clients, by mainly men, 
um, how they're looked down upon, how they're asked to do things like sexual things that they are not required to do. And I think most of them are not even supposed to be doing. And then also how it's easy in this profession to get involved in unfortunate things like drugs and stuff because you don't make enough money stripping. Or, you know, I know some people like I know it's definitely opposite end of the spectrum where they make a ton of money. Um, just like JLo had found a way to make a ton of money that didn't involve drugs and and doing nefarious things. But I I think they did a really good job of explaining both sides of the coin, but without making it seem like um, people are just junkies and horrible, explaining like this is how you can get in this downward spiral. And there's a lot of people who are very disrespectful towards women in this profession. And I thought, too, like the beginning half of the movie is kind of setting up the, you know, the strippers and their backstories and kind of how they came into the situation and, and things like that. And then the second half of the movie is almost more of like a heist movie, kind of like it reminded me kind of like Ocean's Eleven or Ocean's Eight or something like that, where they're trying to pull off this task and trying to to get money, basically. So it kind of takes a switch there probably halfway through the movie once they decide that they're going to leave the strip club and kind of do this on their own. And I thought that was kind of an interesting change in tone about halfway through is it kind of becomes almost a, a sort of a different movie about 45 minutes in. Yeah, I definitely I got the vibe of the Ocean's Eleven kind of a thing, too. I think you said that really well. I didn't feel like they were getting away from the actual storyline or anything like it was a completely different film. But I thought they did. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, where they kind of turned it turned more into like a heist or we have to we have to do something to change the direction we're going in. Yeah, the stakes definitely got raised in the the second and third acts, which is what you want from a good movie. You want to raise your stakes so that your audience is, is invested. So um, Absolutely. Then you also said that, that you just kind of thought about this movie after it was over, like what you would do if you were in a similar situation and if you had to kind of deal with the stuff that they were dealing with. Yeah, I I don't I don't ever want to push an agenda or anything in this podcast or or make people feel badly, but I've already heard from people at work and just other other people that I know that are a little more conservative in their views, they're almost judgmental about even going to see the film. Um, like, or they don't know what it's about and they hear strippers and they automatically think it's just scum. And I think that that's pretty narrow minded. And I just thought that this movie, I went into it. I actually thought it was going to be more of like a delightful romp, you know, and there'd be money and pretty clothes Mm -hmm. and pretty women. But to me, they really delved into a lot of the serious stuff that goes with the profession. So it was more just, I found myself thinking a lot more during the film and after the film, Uh, about if I would do the same thing. And I can't say I would do anything differently, especially if I had children, especially if I had sick grandparents or parents and had bills to pay. I don't know that I would do anything differently than these women did. So uh, I guess I'm just saying that I think it would be beneficial for people who might be judgmental of this film to maybe go and see it and it might open their mind a little bit. I agree with you because while it is about stripping and that profession, it's not like every scene is them stripping or a girl naked right. or anything right. like that. You know what I mean? Like there's obviously the scene with JLo, which is kind of the iconic scene from the movie where she's doing like her performance basically. Um, but right. And there's some nudity in various parts when they're in the strip club, but it's not like every scene has that, especially later in the movie. They're not even really in the strip club much at all. So you don't really, that doesn't really become a factor later on. But I think like, you said it's not some people may see hustlers and then it's about stripping and they think it's just going to be that the entire time and it's it's not it definitely takes a more serious tone like you were saying yeah and those are the main things i i just loved a lot about this movie so 
I feel really positively about it. And even I went in, I don't think I had a, a low expectation, but the acting far exceeded my expectations. And then also just the message. It really did make me think a lot more than I was prepared to do seeing this film. And then after I left. One other like that I had, and this is a thing that I always notice because I work in radio, so I always notice the music or the soundtrack or whatever selections oh they have. And I want to say the soundtrack Thank for this you. film was fantastic, and they used music from those, so the film kind of goes through different years as it goes along, and they did a nice job of highlighting music from those years. So like in 2004, they have music from like 2004 playing, and then we get to 2007 or 8, one of those times, and that's the scene where like Usher has his cameo, and in 2007 yeah, Usher was like a huge deal. So he had a, a, a couple of hits that year on the radio. And then when we get to like 2011, you hear Lord when it was like her first kind of, or 2013, one of those years, it was kind of when she first came on the scene. So I thought they did a good job of kind of making sure that the music that they picked for the year that they were in fit that year, if that makes sense. Jared, it totally does. I'm so glad you mentioned that because immediately when the credits were rolling, I was like, I have to put this on my Spotify playlist. And then next time, if I'm getting ready to like go somewhere with girlfriends or if I just need a good playlist to work out or something like this is the playlist I want because it was so good. It pumped you up. And I felt like every song they chose was perfectly in tone with whatever was going on with the film. So great yes. point. They yeah. did a, They did a great job of kind of just focusing on big songs that were big at that time. Like they have, um, you know, songs in here from Cardi B obviously, but they have some music from 50 cent and they have some music from Britney Spears and flow rider and, you know, all those Rihanna and uh, Sean Kingston and, and all those kind of artists that were really big during that time period when this film was, was taking place. So I thought they did a really good job with their musical selections. And obviously for a movie about this type of thing, you want songs that are loud and songs that are fun and, and things like that, things that you would hear in a club. So that's, they did a good job of, of having all that in this movie. Definitely. Definitely. So now we'll move into our dislikes. We have a few, not too many for this film, but there are a few things. I know one of your dislikes, and I share this uh, sentiment with you, is that you would have liked to know more about what happened to the men in the film. Obviously, it focuses a lot on the women, yeah. but the men that are kind of the victims of this, you don't really hear a lot about their stories. Right, and I don't know if that was intentional. Like Maybe it was intentional because they're supposed to be the victims, and in 2019... You know, a lot of times we don't think men are the victims. So maybe that was intentional that we just kind of bypassed it. Um, and maybe nothing happened. Maybe I, I just have a hard time believing people didn't get divorced as a result of this. I have a hard time believing some people didn't lose their jobs. Um, and then they all they talked about really was they talked about how some men were embarrassed to come forward that, you know, they'd basically been robbed and taken taken advantage of. But I also think I would have liked to know more of that because this is what a lot of men do to women all the time, especially in strip clubs where they're, they take advantage of women in the situation, whether that's physically or just um, abusing them physically or just not paying them enough money. I know there was one scene where they confronted that where a guy was supposed to pay her $300 for something and he only paid her 60 So I just would have been interested to see what happened to the men in the film. And actually, when we're going down that road, there was a lot of things, a lot of storylines that kind of I felt like I didn't get the full resolution I wanted. And that's fine because it wasn't central to the story. But I would have wanted to see more of how the women were treated in everyday life, like in the grocery store. 
they gave us like a brief glimpse when Constance Wu had to go pick up her daughter at a neighbor's house and then drop her off at school. Yeah. We kind of saw that, but they didn't really like, they didn't tell us what those women's conversations were about, were about, and we didn't get to see any other situations where she would have been in that attire or I don't, I don't know. I just, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that kind of stuff, but I also appreciate that the movie wasn't super long. So what do you think? I, I agree with you there. I think that scene with Constance Wu when she goes to the school is one of the better scenes in the movie, at least for me personally. I thought that was just a very well acted scene. And they do it as like a one shot kind of where like from the time she gets out to the, of the car and walks her daughter into school and then like walks back, it's all basically one take. So I thought that was that was cool. But like you said, I think I would have liked to hear a little bit more about the women maybe in their everyday lives. And like you said, with the men, I think you get a little bit of that at the end of the movie because the one guy's like, hey, um, he's on the phone with Constance Wu. I forget his character's name, but he's basically like, hey, you took all this money from me and, you know, it was on my company card and and some on my personal card and, like, I need that money to pay my mortgage and if I don't have, you can't pay my mortgage, oh, then I'm basically Doug. out of luck. I think it was yeah, Doug. Doug. So yeah. the one that kind of he, befri- uh, he befriends Constance Wu's character Destiny kind of throughout the film and, like, buys her a computer and all that stuff. But eventually they take advantage of him. And I thought that was kind of an interesting scene because that's the one where like J-Lo's character is like, put the phone down. Like we, we, we cannot get personal with this. You know, this is strictly a business. There's no personal relationships involved in this. So I thought that was really the only time they showed that though, which I would have liked to see more of. But like you said, I also appreciated that this movie is an hour and 50 minutes. And if you're going to add more scenes, obviously that makes it longer. And then we might be talking about the runtime like we did with it chapter two, where it was just too yeah. long. So I like that it was shorter. Well, not to correct you either, but Doug, so Doug is different. Uh, Just to point it out, because they screwed over multiple people, you brought up a good point. So Doug is the one that actually, like, his wife left him and he lost his job because of the corporate card thing. And he also has a son with autism. And then he was saying the other, there's another man who bought Constance Wu a computer. He talked to her about fonts and stuff and how she had nice penmanship. And then he ended up getting married and so she called him and wanted, I think his name was That's Steve. That's right. Yeah. And so they they did kind of look similar. So I get it. But I just wanted to tell you, because I, I thought that's a great thing to point out because she got close to multiple people, which I think would unfortunately be how I would be as well, because I do like people and I like to get to know them. But ultimately, it became a flaw of hers because then she felt worse and she gave in and was like the first one to take a deal and plea out uh, when the scandal broke. Yes, yes, that is very true. Because you see that at the end where her and Ramona are talking and um, Destiny is like, I took the deal. And Ramona's like, right. why Why did you do that? Like, have I not taught you anything? Like, you're not supposed to do that. So that was kind of a little bit of disagreement between those characters. So there was some personal ramifications. But like you said, I would have liked to see maybe a little bit more of that. And then there was just some, some storylines that really didn't get wrapped up either that they introduced but they didn't really pay off later in the movie kind of like our last review with it chapter two we're talking about richie's storyline where he is kind of you know in the closet and wants to come out but doesn't do that and then there's you know he doesn't really tell anybody about that and they kind of build that up throughout the movie and then nothing really happens there's a few of those storylines in this particular movie that are like that as well that don't really ever get paid off yeah, because Destiny, so Constance Wu's character, she talks about how she wants to 
pursue a degree in college. And I thought that was great. I actually got really excited for her. Then she gets that computer and we see yeah. her studying a couple times. And then we never even hear if she got it. And then Annabelle, that's who Lily Reinhart plays. I really liked her character and I felt like they were setting it up so we would she became a central character. She was like fourth in line on the the cast list and if of importance in my opinion. And she was kicked out of her family's house because she was younger and they found out she was stripping. And we never found out again if she got in touch with her family or if they forgave her. So I just feel like those were two storylines that I think really mattered and would have been good to wrap up. And it's fine if they don't wrap them up, but I don't know why they brought them up in the first place. Yeah. And then like Kiki Palmer's character, Mercedes, like her boyfriend is incarcerated and she's talking about right. how, how she has to pay like his legal fees a lot and things like that. But again, that's never really paid off at the end of the movie too much either. You see her in jail at one point talking to him and then she gets arrested after she leaves jail. But again, after that, you don't really see any like ramifications or any payoff to that particular storyline either. Yeah. So that was my main thing. I couldn't, I couldn't pick a lot of major things that bothered me. I, I was very impressed by this film and overall it, it outdid my expectations, but yeah, I just felt like some of the storylines didn't pay off and that was a little disappointing as a viewer. So are you ready to give it a grade? I am. Shall I go first today? Sure. I went first last time. So what are you grading hustlers? Okay. So I'm pretty generous with hustlers, but also I just, it's a movie. It's definitely my kind of movie. It's a movie I would watch again and I always like when a movie surprises me by making me think and and the acting is better. So I looked at my other grades and I actually gave this a 90 out of 100. I, okay. I don't think that that's bad because I looked at how I review other films and I think that's pretty fair. So um, to me, 90 is that's that's it. That's all I have to say. But I hope that's not too <laughs> crazy and off base. No, I'm going to go kind of close to you. So a little bit lower. I'm going to give it an 82 out of 100 for Hustlers. So I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I liked that it was shorter. And like you said, I really enjoyed the story of it as a whole, kind of the backside and the inside world of of stripping and and how those strip clubs are run and everything. Like you said, I like your concerns. I just wish they would have paid off maybe some more storylines, maybe gotten a little darker or like grittier at certain points. And maybe if you make the movie... 10, 15 minutes longer, you can do that, which may not be in the worst entrance in this movie because I never felt like I was really bored at any point during this. It's just that there were some things that didn't get paid off, which was a little little disappointing in the end. So, But great performances, um, great writing, and really just an interesting story overall. So I, I'm going to give it, like I said, 82 out of 100 for, for Hustlers. I think that's great. And kudos to you and Arjun and any men that go see this film. I do think men can enjoy this film as well. I think it just depends uh, why your reasons are that you're going. I think so, too. I think like you like you said, I think this is a very interesting movie. Um, so I really enjoyed the storyline of everything. Obviously, it was, I'm not going to say that it was bad to look at Jennifer Lopez and, you know, while she was dancing because <laughs> it's not. But, you know, that wasn't the main reason that I went to the movie. And I think it does have an interesting story and there's some interesting things in it. There were a couple guys in my theater. I don't know how um, your theater was, but mine, there was like a couple dudes with their um, ladies, but there wasn't, it was definitely overwhelmingly female in my theater. Yes. Same here, but it was, there were, there were enough men in there that it wasn't all female. 
So Hustlers, go see it. It's pretty good. It's an original movie. It's got great acting, great cast, and interesting story, and kind of a good movie to come out at this time of year because there's not a ton out right now. So go see Hustlers if you want something original to go see and, and you're interested in that storyline. So good grades from from both of us. So coming up on the Silver Screen Podcast the next couple of weeks, like we said at the beginning, we are going to be reviewing the Goldfinch. This may be the the lowest rated movie that we've ever reviewed, but I know but you. Please are, listen to the episode. <laughs> I know you are almost finished with the book. I'm about halfway yes. through the book. We made it, and we made an effort to read the book before we go see the movie. I'm not going to get it done before I go see the movie, but you probably will because you're better at that stuff than I am. But we figured if we invested all these hours into reading the book, we might as well go spend two hours and sit in the theater and watch the movie to see how it compares. So. The Goldfinch will be our next episode. Also on that episode, we'll have a little recap of the Emmys, which are coming up very soon. Probably by the time you listen to this, will have already happened. So we'll kind of recap the big winners at the Emmys and what we think there, because we're both big TV fans in addition to being fans of movies. And then down the line, we have Ad Astra and also Downton Abbey will be coming up too. So a lot of good, and then Joker after that. So a lot of good movies on the way for the for the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm interested to see a lot of these because they're all kind of different stories. You know what I mean? Like The Goldfinch is, is based off a book. Ad Astra is obviously sci-fi. Joker is a comic book movie. So I think we have a good variety coming up in the next couple of weeks. I do too. I can't wait. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad we're, we're ramping up for award season. As always with the Silver Screen Podcast, you can listen uh, wherever you get your podcasts. That might be Apple Podcasts. It might be Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all those places. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast and we will pop up there and all of our episodes are up there. So if you want to go back and listen all the way to our first episode, Captain Marvel or anything that's come out this summer, it's all up there for you. All the big releases are in there. So you can go check it out. And uh, a lot of those things that came out this summer are now coming out on DVD. So you can go listen to those if you're interested in maybe renting that at the red box or checking that out on you know streaming renting it or something like that if it if you want to find out if it's good or not before you pay a couple bucks to watch it so those are all up there as well and then you can like us too on instagram and twitter at podcast silver and also find us on facebook at the silver screen podcast and on the next episode we will be reviewing the goldfinch until next time we'd like to thank the academy 